Hello and welcome back to another live edition of The Preview Show. Hello, good morning and welcome back to another live edition of The Chronicles of Aguna. It's The Preview Show and on today's edition... We are looking ahead to Arsenal versus Watford at the Emirates Stadium on Sunday. It's the final game for the Gunners of the Premier League season. Last round of fixtures. Still lots to play for, actually. Not really from our part, but in terms of some of the clubs uh, that are involved, there is still a race for the Champions League qualification positions. And there, of course, is still the last, uh, well, the last two relegation places to be decided. On this edition, we're going to be looking ahead to that game. It's going to be a slightly different um, sort of format this time around, though, given that it is a bit of a dead rubber uh, for the Gunners. So we're going to be looking ahead to that game. We're also going to be taking some of your questions. Had lots and lots of questions come through on Twitter yesterday. Going to pick out a few of those and anything else that comes through in the live chat. We're also going to be touching on Arsenal's new kit. Unai Emery's got a new job. And uh, we'll be deciding whether we think that Arsenal should play a full-strength side or not against uh, Watford this coming Sunday. So let's kick off by looking ahead uh, to the game at the Emirates Stadium Sunday. Um, of course, Watford come to town and, and they're in a dire situation after Aston Villa defeated us the other night. It meant that Watford slipped into the relegation zone and they will need to, of course, better Aston Villa's result. Aston Villa, of course, go away to West Ham United on the final day of the season, who, yes, they have nothing to play for, but they've actually been in pretty decent form of late. So uh, be interesting to see uh, how they get on there. But of course, Watford know what they need to do at the Emirates. They need to get a positive result. And Whenever I think about this, look, I, I don't even particularly dislike Watford. You know, it's a it's a localish game. It's just down the road. Um, you know, they're not a club that I particularly have any sort of ill feeling towards. However, there is one man I, I, I really don't like, and that is Troy Deeney. And he is almost said to be, isn't he, the Watford talisman, the Watford hero, the main man in that club. And because of that, you know, I can't help but feel like I want them to go down. And I think it's just poetic justice that they're going to come to the Emirates and we're going to relegate him on Sunday. After all the things that Troy Deeney has said about Arsenal Football Club in the past, wouldn't it be lovely to turn around to Troy Deeney and say, where's your cojones? It would be fantastic. So um, I'd really like to see Arsenal relegate Watford um, purely because of that reason. Other than that, I don't really care if I'm honest with you. Um, it's always a difficult game to get away tickets for anyway. So, um, you know, whilst I say it's local and it's one of the sort of better ones, it is problematic as a fan. I'll put it that way. Um, obviously, because of its close proximity to North London, there is obviously a high demand every time Arsenal go and play there. In terms of the team that I would pick on Sunday, well, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because Mikel Arteta's got some some real decisions to make. Now, if it were me, I'd be looking fully at the FA Cup final. Of course, it's a dead rubber for us. We can't qualify for the Europa League via the Premier League positions. The only way now is to win the FA Cup. But you've got to find that balance between keeping the momentum. And I know I know, we obviously lost our last game, but in terms of keeping people sharp and match fit and at their peak condition or, um, you know, 
resting people because you're afraid of them picking up injuries and knocks and stuff. And it's a very, very difficult balance to find. I think Mikel Arteta probably is looking ahead to the FA Cup. He did say in his press conference that he will play a full strength side. Um, but you just got the impression that he was just saying that um, in the sense of we have to maintain the integrity of the competition. Of course, the game means a lot to Aston Villa. It means a lot to Watford. It means a lot in terms of the Premier League. So, um, you know, we need to, I guess we need to just make a decision on, you know, on what what we see fit to do. I, if it was me personally, I'd, I'd make it a bit of a mix and match because I think that when we made too many changes at Aston Villa, it made us disjointed. It made us... Um, you know, really, really poor, to be honest, throughout. So I think you need to find a balance. I, I still don't think we have a squad that is necessarily good enough where you can make a, a load of changes and not um, and it not affect the team. You know, it is a problem. So, you know, I expect to see most of the, the, the big boys come back into the side, but I also expect there'll be some rotation still as well. Do you play a Bamiyang? Do you play Lacazette? Do you play Xhaka? Do you play Ceballos? So many questions. Um, but again, it's almost impossible to predict how Mikel Arteta is going to take this and how he's going to deal with it and what approach he will use. For me, you rest people, you give some people minutes that don't ha that haven't had as many minutes, and what you do is you try and get yourself in a position where as much of your squad are on form and at their peak condition as possible. And then you have, um, you know, the, the maximum to select from against Watford. Obviously, the game's on Sunday and the FA Cup finals the following Saturday. So theoretically, it should be enough time for the players to recover. But you just can't rule people out from picking up injuries. And that is the real fear, isn't it? We've lost Mustafi now. Looks like he's not going to be fit for the FA Cup final. And as I said on a previous show recently, although... If I had said that six months ago, many people would have been sort of rejoicing at the news. The fact is he has been much improved of late and he has shown himself to be one of our best central defenders, particularly when we play in this back three system. So, yeah, look, there's so much to think about, so much to consider. But it feels to me like one of those games where we just need to get it out of the way and move on. And nobody's really going to remember what we did against Villa and Watford if we go on and win the FA Cup. And that will define our season in many ways. It's going to be a poor season no matter what happens in the FA Cup final because a club like Arsenal should not be in the league position in which they're at, should have gone further in Europe. Um, you know, so there are a lot of reasons why this has been a poor season. And I'm not saying winning the FA Cup would make up for that, but it would, it would be a great end or a, a much better end to what could have been a complete and utter disaster. It would mean Arsenal back in Europe and it would mean um, that Arsenal get a trophy under their belt. And you never know what impact winning the first trophy could have on the side and how um, that will help Mikel Arteta in terms of uh, building support and getting back in from the club. So lots and lots of things to factor in. But if it were me, um, I'd mix it up between my best team, um, and sort of uh, giving a few others some, some minutes. But it's totally dependent on the player's individual conditioning. Mikel Arteta will have a much stronger understanding of that than I will. Um, and he and his staff will, I'm sure, uh, be running their eyes over sort of the numbers in terms of the, f the physical conditions of the players and trying to make the right decision there. So, 
yeah, that's what I would do. In terms of a prediction, um, I think it's just going to be a draw. I think it's just going to be, you know, Watford are going to desperately be after all the points. I think that they're going to come and give a good account of themselves. But I don't know if they'll have enough to beat us on our own turf. Um, equally, I don't think that Arsenal are going to go out there and particularly blow Watford away. As I said, I think it's a game that Arsenal are likely to just try and coast through. And a lot of those players will know that the FA Cup, well, obviously they know, but they'll have the FA Cup final in the back of their minds as they go into as they go into that game. And you may see people a little bit hesitant in the 50-50s. You may see people not willing to exert themselves. And understandably so, there is nothing at stake for us in the Premier League. As I said, be fucking lovely, wouldn't it, to relegate Troy Deeney? And uh, that would make me extremely happy. Uh, right. Anyway, let's go over to some of your questions. As I said, I put a tweet out yesterday um, and lots of you replied with questions. Let's go through some of those and I'll share my answers with you on those. Uh, um, Graham Sutherland says, what do you think of the style of football that Arteta plays? Because I can't get my head around what I witnessed against Villa. And how does anyone say selecting Ketia on the wing? A couple of points. Um, first of all, when Enketia was selected in that position, I think that that position is very different to what a winger was um, in the past. Because obviously we're playing with wing backs and their job is to provide the width. What Enketia's job would be, or Aubameyang's job on the other side, is to start from a slightly wider position, but drift in field and get involved with the centre forward and try and make as much impact in the centre as they possibly can. So I don't necessarily think it's a wing position that Eddie Nketiah was picked in. I think we've seen that Mikel Arteta wants them to almost play as inside forwards. I agree that it's not a position that's suited to Eddie Nketiah. You've got a, a real point there, Graham. So I totally agree with that. Um, but I don't think it is a wing position as such. So I think that's worth noting. And keep an eye on it. You'll see they're being asked to drift in field a lot more than they probably would have been in a traditional front three. And that is because of the inclusion of the wing backs. In terms of the style of football, um, look, I'm not I'm under no illusions. I don't think that this is the style of football that Mikel Arteta wants to play. I don't think I've probably said it before. I don't think he goes to bed and thinks about playing football this way or dreams about playing football this way, I should say. It's purely, um, you know, something that he's doing to try and bridge the gap between us and some of the other teams. And he knows that defensively we are weak, we are unstable. And this is the way in which he feels we can, we can close that gap and we can improve in that department. And regardless of what people say, the stats don't lie. And Arsenal as a defensive unit, since we switched to playing this way, have improved. Again, though, it's not um, it, it's not what he wants. It's not his long-term vision. I'm, I'm certain of that. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Ben Turner wants to know about Torreira. He says, I'm of the opinion he should stay, but seems that a lot want him sold. Yeah, Torreira's an interesting one. Uh, we've seen Torreira sort of in spells really performing in Arsenal shirt, and then we've seen him go off the boil as well. Obviously, he's come back from that long-term injury, hasn't had a great deal of football, started the game the other night, didn't look great to me. But I still believe there's a player in Lucas Torreira if you utilise him right. So I'm not calling for him to be sold just yet. Um, 
you know, I I, I want to give him another chance. But then, and of course, there's all this talk, isn't there, in the background about perhaps Lucas Torreira is not happy in London. Perhaps he's homesick. Perhaps he would prefer a move back to Italy. If that is the case, then it's just simply not going to work for Lucas Torreira at Arsenal. And the club need to investigate that and understand whether that actually is an issue or whether it's nothing more than paper talk. If Lucas Torreira in himself is happy to stay at the football club, then I would keep him. Um, but equally, if a decent bid came across the table, then I'd consider selling him as well, because the reality is that his performances have been up and down. They have been on and off. Um, and so, you know, particularly if we're going to keep Danny Ceballos, then I'd probably look at moving him on only if the right money was on the table and it allowed us to go out and get players that we need. Um, right, let's have a look. What else have we got here? Um, John Campbell says, of all the names we've been linked with, who do you think will come in and why? I don't really want to say this, but I think I've got this sneaky feeling that Willian is going to come in. Um, there's been a lot of talk about it. Of course, Willian is represented by Kia Jurabchian. It's understood that he's happy in London. He wants to stay in London, but that Chelsea are unwilling to offer Willian a three-year contract. If Arsenal could do it financially, I think they might. Um, he's an experienced campaigner. Um, he's somebody who brings a lot of quality to the team in terms of his set-piece deliveries, in terms of his ability to pick out a pass. For somebody of his age as well, he's incredibly fit. He's in incredibly good condition. Um, I say that, I'll probably come to Arsenal and get an injury within the first week. But I, I think it's a decent option. Is it one I'd go absolutely crazy about and be buzzing about? No, it's not. But with the Brazilian connection with Edu and the connection with Gia, uh, Kia, sorry, Jurabchian, there is a good chance that this this deal could materialise. And the noises we're sort of hearing from the club and people close to the club and those in and around um, sort of Arsenal's transfer dealings is that this is very much a goer from the Gunners. But will they agree uh, financial terms with William? That remains to be seen. I just think, um, you know, of all the players we've been linked with, the Upamakanos, the Partes, etc., they may be outside of our price range. Willian, yes, he'll want to sign an on fee, but given he'll be available on a free transfer, I think this is a deal that could potentially happen. Um, it is a goer for me. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Charles Davy asks, will Aubameyang sign a contract? In my opinion, if Arsenal win the FA Cup, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang will sign a contract. Um, I think discussions have been going on. I think they're, they have been pretty positive, more positive than some people would have you believe. I do expect him to commit his future to the club. Um, I don't expect to hear anything prior to the FA Cup. And I think probably the FA Cup will determine a little bit more around what we can do this summer in terms of our finances. And, and not only does it have financial implications, but it also has reputational ones too. Can Arsenal go and win a trophy even when they're at their worst? Make this an attractive place for people to come. Um, you know, provide a springboard for Mikel Arteta from which his era can push on and develop and, and grow. So I do think the FA Cup will have a massive part in that. And, you know, if we can turn around to, to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and say, look, even at our worst, even at our very worst, we managed to get a trophy over the line. Um, you know, I think that will go a long way in persuading him and helping him to believe and 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 sort of, uh, what's the word, to, to get on board with the project a little bit more. 
Add to that the fact that I don't think Bayern Munich, no, sorry, Barcelona and Real Madrid are in any financial position at the moment to um, come in and make a crazy bid for him. I think that he'll probably look around at what's on offer, look at the project, you know, and, and say, yeah, I, I can see myself staying here, particularly if we're willing to give him a free year deal at 31 years of age. Um, that'd be a very, very attractive proposition. And as we've said, we expect uh, a few players to be departing this summer, which will free up even more uh, sort of finance from the wage bill. And that could have a, an impact in uh, in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's future, of course. So long story short, I think he will sign. Yes. Um, da -da -da. Uh, Pat Houlihan says, Arteta called Ozil and Genduzi in his press conference and he labelled them the other two. That's them well and truly done. Also, would Chelsea be in the Champions League or would Chelsea being in the Champions League or not be best for us in the cup final? I, I, I don't think it makes a great deal of difference, if I'm honest. Um, you know, Chelsea are still in the Champions League technically, um, but they're going to get beat. So, you know, uh, them qualifying for the Champions League as well will you know, via the league will, of course, ease the pressure on Chelsea. But I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because I think that Chelsea, when they have been under pressure at times this season, they've cracked. And as much as we talk about Arsenal being inconsistent, I know Chelsea have been more incons more consistent sorry, than us because they're above us, etc., etc. But they've not had a great season, in my opinion. You know, they shouldn't have even been allowed a sniff by Leicester City. Manchester United went on an incredible run and closed the gap as well. The reality is that Liverpool, City and um, and Leicester should have been miles away from everybody else. The fact that Chelsea and Manchester United are in the hunt for the Champions League positions, you know, just shows you that actually everybody else has been so poor. Because I don't think either of those two sides have had a particularly good season. Arsenal are off the boil. Spurs are off the boil. You know, we're seeing the likes of Wolves and Sheffield United pushing up in those positions for the most part of this season. So uh, as much as people are praising Frank Lampard for the job he's done, I don't think Chelsea have been great. And I still think that we can get them. And I still think that they'll be just as concerned by what we can bring to the table as we are about them. In terms of them in the Champions League, though, like I said, I think if they qualify for the Champions League via the league, Takes a bit of heat off of them going into the FA Cup final, doesn't it? Um, because then even if they were to lose the FA Cup final, which nobody wants to lose a final, but the season would still be deemed as a success, wouldn't it, in, in their eyes? Um, Matthew Letford says, what sort of team would you pick for Sunday's game, considering we have a cup final six days later with nothing left to play for in the league? Um, as I said a little bit earlier on in the show, mate, I, I would pick a mixture um, of our best players and those that need minutes, if I'm honest. Um, I'd mix it up. I'd be keen to use all five of the substitutions available to me and try and get through the game. Uh, A, maintaining sort of the integrity of the competition in terms of playing our part in the relegation battle and making sure that people are at their peak fitness levels in terms of game time and practice. But also, I'd be uh, I'd be trying to get through the game with as little damage as possible, obviously. So, yeah, like I said, a mixture uh, there. Uh, Andrew asks, in light of the banner at Villa, are we in danger of losing the class 
associated with us throughout the Venga years and prior. I've had my say on the on the banner um, on the show following the Aston Villa game. I understand the sentiment. I understand that people want to apply pressure on the right people to back Mikel Arteta to give him the money that he needs to go and do what he needs to do, etc., um, etc. Et I thought the timing of it was strange, though, because as I said at the time, whoever planned that would have planned it after the Manchester City game. So when you've just seen Mikel Arteta, um, you know, get a famous victory against Manchester City, against all the odds, we were eight to one to to win that game prior to kickoff. To then be planning something like that the next day seems a little bit strange for me. The timing seems a little bit strange. Let's get the season over. Let's get it done and dusted. And then we can apply, try and apply as fans pressure on those upstairs in order to try and get them to maximise the spending that we can do over the summer to try and help Mikel Arteta improve the squad as best as possible. I thought the timing was a little bit weird. Um, planes just seem to be the fashionable thing now. And, um, you know, I've heard that you can do it for around about 600, 650 quid nowadays, which is nothing. When you think about what you're actually asking someone to do is to get up in an aeroplane and fly over a football stadium, pulling a banner up behind you. It's mad, isn't it? I mean, get a few of you together and it's pretty easily done. I don't think we're in danger of losing the class. I think people are understandably frustrated by which the direction by which by the direction in which the club have been uh, traveling in recent times. So um, I do think that, you know, we've got a right to complain, to protest, but I, I just did, like I said, I just didn't think the timing was, was right. And um, I, I don't want to see any of that until the cup final is done and dusted. Cause for me, it's just an unwanted distraction at the minute. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Abs, he says, how do you think Arteta can get the best out of Pepe next season? I think we're already starting to see more from Nicolas Pepe in the sense of we are starting to see flashes of what he can do. I know we've seen them sort of throughout, but they're becoming a little bit more frequent at the moment. I like Nicolas Pepe. I didn't at first. I was really worried about um, what he would bring to the team and whether he was good enough and whether we'd just gone and blown an absolute shitload of money on a player who was probably going to be a flop. The thing is with Nicolas Pepe is it was always going to take time for him to adapt to the Premier League. Add to that, he's been playing in a fairly fucking dreadful team this season as well. Um, it, it's been a really difficult transition. I do expect him to be better next season. I do expect him to play more regularly and I do expect his outputs to increase. So, I'm excited about what Nicolas Pepe will bring to the side. In terms of getting the most out of him, I think you get the most out of Nicolas Pepe by allowing him the, the freedom to pick up the ball and drive infield with it. We know he likes to play from the right. We know he's a left-footed player. He's a very left-footed player. And we know he's got the ability to bend one into the far corner to put good deliveries into the back post area where, you know, if we continue to play the way we are, you'll often find Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang coming in. So there's lots and lots um, of positives about Nicolas Pepe. But yeah, look, the reality is he hasn't always been at, at the level that we've kind of expected for someone that we paid 70 plus million pounds for. So people are right to be concerned about it. But I've just urged people to stay a little bit more patient with Nicolas Pepe because I think he will get there in the end. Um, also want to say a massive shout out to uh, the Limassol Gooners. 
Arsenal Supporters Club based in Limassol, Cyprus. Um, obviously, Cyprus is uh, in here for me. Um, so I want to say a big shout out to all of you guys. And uh, they'll all be watching the cup final together at the Shakespeare Pub in Limassol. Come on, you Reds. Uh, big hello to every single one of you guys, especially uh, Andreas. Uh, so big hello to you, mate, and uh, to everyone else there. And I hope you guys enjoy the final. Come on, you Reds. Um, right. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, we'll pick up just uh, one more question um, and then we'll go over to some other bits and pieces. Um, da -da -da. Justin Dye says, if you think Arteta wants to go to a 4-3-3 formation, can you see him implementing that next season or is that reliant on who we bring in or get rid of before next season? I think that what you're going to probably see from Mikel Arteta next season, this is just a prediction. This is not any inside information or anything like that is you're probably going to see him try to make that transition over to the 4-3-3 um but i think in the bigger games you're going to see him switch back to what we're doing currently and i think that's probably the right way um with saying that though i think he's always had it in mind to to push on and play in a more attacking style of football but he also recognises the limitations and the flaws of this team and is doing his utmost to narrow the gap in quality between the likes of Arsenal and Manchester City, for example, wherever possible. So, um, like I said, I think we'll probably see the 4-3-3 more often next season. Um, of course, it's reliant on who comes in, who goes out. Uh, but I do think we'll start to see that transition towards it uh, a little bit more clearly. although. I do think in the bigger games, we still might see Mikel Arteta switch back until he has full trust and full confidence in what he currently has. Um, yeah, that's my answer on that. Thank you guys uh, so much for your questions. Uh, those are the ones through Twitter. I'll pick up some live comments from the chat box in a few moments time as well. But it's just a couple of other bits and pieces I want to touch on. Um, Arsenal's new kit. What do you think about it? Let me know in the comments. Um, I didn't really like it when I first saw the pictures um, that emerged like a little while ago, the sort of leaked images. Wasn't too keen, wasn't a big fan. Um, however, it has grown on me. That when, when I've seen actual players wearing it and a colleague over at the same old Arsenal podcast, Craig, has already got it because, of course, in the Republic of Ireland, it's already available. Um, so we had a look at it when he was wearing it on the show the other night. And I do think in person it looks a lot better. So I'm keen to get one. I'll definitely be getting one. It's my birthday in a couple of weeks, so probably drop a few hints that here and there and, uh, and trying to trying to engineer one. Uh, so yeah, I'll try and do that. Let's see. Um, but yeah, big fan. Um, check it out. It's available on Arsenal.com. Apparently, Sports Direct are selling it for a little bit cheaper, um, and with printing on the back. But and I don't mean to be. I don't mean this in a. I'm not slander in a company or anything like that but whenever i have bought arsenal shirts or football shirts from sports direct in the past they've never tended to be of the same quality so if you can i would probably say it's better to grab it from from arsenal direct um just because the quality of the product is that little bit better um but you know it's still an Arsenal shirt. Do what you got to do. Uh, that's just my personal take on it. And I only say that because I had a couple of tweets yesterday saying, where should I get it from? I always buy them from the Arsenal shop nowadays. I really, really do. Um, just because I love that buzz of walking in the Arsenal shop and buying the shirt. 
it is something that I've been doing since I was a kid. Used to get together with some of my mates when um, they the shirts came out. We used to go down there on the day, queue up, grab it, get out of there, put them straight on and go play football at the park. So it's just something that I've always done and it's a bit of a tradition for me. So, um, yeah, I uh, yeah urge you guys to go out and get it if you can and uh, enjoy it. It's another decent design by Adidas. So, yeah, not sure about the away kit, the... Uh, looks like a fucking raspberry ripple ice cream i don't know if anyone's ever had that but yeah check it out um let's say a massive shout out i've got to do this because he's just popped up in the in the chat box and he's a massive uh, legend and a friend and i'm i'm delighted to say that he's watching us live right now mr kevin campbell arsenal legend hey there mate thank you for tuning in welcome to the stream and i hope you're doing well and the family's keeping well and i'm sure We'll catch up again soon. So a big shout out to Mr. Kevin Campbell as well. Arsenal hero. Right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Unai Emery. Now, those of you who watch this channel or listen to the podcast in the last year or so will know that I've never been Unai Emery's biggest fan. I didn't really like him um, during his time at Arsenal. Uh, that's the wrong choice of words, actually. Scrap that. Let me start again. It's not that I didn't like him. I didn't like his management style. Um, I really didn't. I, I found him um, difficult to get behind for a number of reasons, which I'm not going to go into again because we always talk about it. But I just wanted to mention that he's been given a new job. He's he's taken over the reins at the Spanish club Villarreal. And I just want to say that it was never personal. You know, I never hated Unai Emery as a man or, or disliked him as a person I'm sure he's a lovely guy and he's a dedicated guy and he is a hard worker because you don't get to this level of football management if you're not I'm sure he's obsessed with the game of football as all top level managers are etc etc but it just wasn't my cup of tea during his time at Arsenal so I just wanted to go on the show and say that it was never personal Unai and I genuinely genuinely Wish him all the best at Villarreal. I do. I hope it works out for him. He just wasn't the right man for Arsenal, in my opinion. But like I said, I hope it works out for him where he is. Um, and I hope he can have a successful season uh, with uh, the Yellow Submarine, as they're known uh, in Spain. Right. Let's go over to some of your live comments before we wrap up uh, today's edition of the preview show. As I said, a little bit of a different format little bit of a short preview because realistically we're talking about dead rubber. Uh, then some of your questions and then a couple of other bits and pieces as well. Um, Oporum says, Mikel still doesn't know his best 11 and that's worrying for me. By now we should have started imposing our style of play. I think that's a little bit harsh just because um, up until a couple of weeks ago, Mikel Arteta still had goals to achieve. And he obviously took the decision that we would be more likely to achieve those goals if he implemented a more defensive and pragmatic style of play as opposed to going out there and trying to implement exactly what he wanted from the off. And, and that's all it is. You know, yes, now the, the league ship has sailed, etc. But he wasn't to know that a few weeks ago. So while we were in the running to qualify for Europe, I think he had a responsibility to do what he thought was best in order to try and get Arsenal to where they needed to be. Uh, da, da, da. uh, Ian Hibbert says, do you think Arteta has a wide range of knowledge of players we need around the world? I think it's difficult to do your job 
to the maximum of your ability, be so focused and dedicated, but also have eyes around the world. You know, you, you can't do that as a manager realistically. And that is why clubs have such large and extensive scouting networks nowadays. And it's almost, Arsenal have been very clear, haven't they, since Arsene Wenger left that we're working under a model in which we have a head coach rather than a manager. And that means that there are other people looking around the world, scouring the planet, trying to find these talents. I think we've obviously got a deal in place with Kia Jurabchian. We have a good relationship with him and we're trying to use that to our advantage and bring in players that we think will enhance the squad. Edu obviously has his connections to Brazil. So I think we're probably better equipped to do that than we maybe were under Unai Emery. Um, but again, it's still something that needs to needs time to get into a flow, into a rhythm. And we brought Sven Mislintat in to do exactly that. And then we lost him. So that was a blow, in my opinion. Um, you know, one of the most renowned scouts in European football. We had him and we lost him. And we lost him because of politics upstairs. And that makes it even more frustrating. But in answer to your question, I think Arteta will have an idea of some of the players that he wants to see come in. But I also think as a as a head coach, you kind of have to let go of that a little bit because you can't do that and manage the team and plan for your upcoming games and tactically, um, you know, try and get ready for, for certain fixtures all at the same time. It's just too much for one person to do. And when Wenger was in charge, we always used to say, well, he can't handle all of it. It's too much for one man. And that was the problem. So now we kind of have to trust in the process a little bit and let go of that a little bit or the head coach has to let go of that a little bit can still have an input of course and his input is as important as anybody's but I think you you kind of have to let go of the scouting a little bit um in the modern day head coach's uh role a uh, big hello to Francis who says hello Harry finally managed to watch you on live how you doing mate welcome to the stream thank you so much he's watching us live from Hong Kong um I hope you're well mate and uh I hope you're looking forward to the FA Cup final as much as I am. Uh, right. Uh, Archangel says, Arteta has said that he is not happy with 10th place and the FA Cup. He certainly talks the talk. He does talk the talk. He really, really, really does. And that is why a lot of fans are so behind him. Because, and I, and I don't mean this as a criticism of Mikel Arteta, but when you look at the results and sort of in terms, yeah, when you look at our progress in terms of the results since he's come in, the progress has been minimal, really. But it's that talk, it's that feeling that he gives you, it's that vibe that he gives off that has got a lot of people behind him. And as I said previously, that is so, so important. And it's probably why somebody like Unai Emery found the job a lot harder and got a lot less leeway than Mikel Arteta will get. When people say it's because he's an ex-player, I don't actually think that's the case. When I think about Arsenal heroes, I don't look back at, at Mikel Arteta and think, yeah, he was an Arsenal hero. So yeah, that plays a little bit of a part in terms of my willingness to give him that bit of extra time. But he's not one of the Arsenal captains that I look back in history and go, oh, he was one of our top captains. Do you know what I'm saying? It's that That's just kind of the way I feel about it. So I, as a result, I, I don't give him time purely because of that. It's probably got a little bit of an impact in the way I feel, but not a major one. Um... I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Uh, 
L-E-T-4-R-D, L-3-T-4-R-D. Can't even read this morning. Uh, he says, totally agree. I'll read the selection. Hope the players can keep motivated. Just referring back to my comments earlier on about the team that should play Watford. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Pat Houlihan says, morning, Harry. Would you go with a cup final team for Watford as a dress rehearsal? I'm not sure. Um, as I've I've said a few times on this stream so far, I think he's got to try and find a blend, a mix um, of of players that are important to the team in order to keep the confidence up and keep our performance to a certain standard, but also giving legs, uh, giving minutes, sorry, to those who haven't had as much lately, who are a little bit fresher and trying to minimise the risk of injuries. And of course, when players are playing games in such close proximity, you often need to give them a bit of a break. So I think assessing everybody's individual condition is key and understanding um, what will minimise the risk of injuries is 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 so, so important. And I think that's the approach Mikel will probably take. Um, T says, uh, how many players do you think we need and what positions? Also, who would you sell? I haven't really thought about this right now to give you a, a long and in-depth answer, but we're going to do a show just on transfers uh, in the coming uh, weeks. We're going to do it after the FA Cup final when we've got a clearer picture of budgets, of, um, you know, sort of where we are as a club, and then we'll do some uh, transfer specials. The Chronicles will be back on a daily basis then, um, and we'll be bringing you streams talking about transfers every single day throughout the summer. So I uh, hope you look forward to that. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, da -da -da. Cameron Brooks says, how important is this game for Rob Holding to boost his fitness and confidence ahead of the FA Cup final? I think um, Rob Holding is, is, uh, is in a strange position. Rob Holding is a left-sided centre-back, always has been. But it's clear, it's abundantly clear that Mikel Arteta doesn't want him to play there because he wants a left-footed player there. And that's why so often, since Pablo Marie's been injured, we've seen Ser Kolasinac play in that position. Not because he's a centre-back, not because he's the best equipped to play in that role, but purely because he's left-footed. And that is obviously really, really important to Mikel, which means for me that Rob Holding, when everybody's fit, will struggle to start because he obviously prefers what Shkodran Mustafi has been doing of late. Obviously, with Mustafi's injury, it gives Holding an opportunity to come into the side and make a, a real impression. But he's got to adapt to that right-sided position very quickly because there is no time for him to learn the position. It's now or never. It is important that he boosts his confidence levels more, in my opinion, because I don't think fitness is that much of an issue for, for Rob Holding now, as it was, say, maybe when when football restarted. So I think confidence is key. He's got to get used to that role. And for that reason, I would play him just because, I, I, against Watford, sorry, just because I want to see him get another 90 minutes under his belt, playing in a slightly unfamiliar role. Uh, and, you know, there were a few moments in, in recent games where we've seen him sort of get a little bit caught out in that position. And again, it's just about adjusting your body, being aware of where you are on the pitch and, you know, that comes with playing there. It comes with experience. So, yeah, um, it is important, of course. Uh, Dave Atkinson says, great show, Harry. Thank you for tuning in, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, Kartik says, should we want Europa League next season? Have been playing for three seasons now. Why not just focus on one game a week? 
again, mate, I, I've said this on, on recent shows and I'll just touch on it once more. Um, I don't think that from a footballing perspective, Mikel Arteta is overly bothered about playing in the Europa League. I really don't. Um, however, the financial implications of Arsenal not playing in Europe are huge. The year we went to the Europa League final, we made about 40 to 50 million pounds. And if you're talking about Arsenal missing out on 40 to 50 million pounds, potentially, given the current economic uh, situation, given the fact that COVID-19 has had a massive impact on our match day revenues, etc., etc., it is, you know, it would be detrimental to the club if Arsenal didn't qualify for Europe. I genuinely believe that. But you make a great point. And I don't think that it's particularly helpful from a footballing perspective. But, you know, the club are, are a business ultimately. And if it's going to limit us what we can spend and make the process of enhancing and rebuilding this squad a slower one, then I'm all for us qualifying for the Europa League. And let's let's have it right as well. More often than not, you can get to the, the knockout stages, at least, of the Europa League by playing a second string side. So it isn't that demanding at the beginning anyway. Um, Paratosh says, how nervous are you before the FA Cup? Yeah, um, I will probably feel a lot more nervous after the Watford game because at the moment, sort of my focus is not there. Um, but yeah, of course, you'll be nervous. I'm always nervous about most games. But when it comes to an FA Cup final, the stakes are so high, aren't they? Um, I'm just going to pick up one more comment, just conscious of time. Uh, and I'm going to go to Tony Christensen's comment. He says, morning, Harry. Do you think Xhaka has a big part in rebuilding our midfield? Yes, I do. Um, a lot of people don't like Granite Xhaka. A lot of people criticise him. A lot of people think he's not good enough. I think in recent months, he's been a credit to himself. He's bounced back from all that crap with the fans. He's come in. He's done a very, very steady job in the centre of the park. He's clearly a leader amongst the group. He's clearly very popular in the dressing room. And he's been very, very popular with all the managers that have um, sort of tried to take on this task in recent times. He is a key, key, key component to this Arsenal squad. And if he continues to perform the way he has been performing of late, there is absolutely no reason why he can't be part of our longer term future. I've got no issues with him being part of the plans. I've got no issues with him playing week in, week out. I think he's been fantastic lately. I know he'll still have his critics and that's fine. It's opinion um, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. But in my personal view, he's been excellent of late. And he's getting better and better and his confidence is back to where it needs to be um, after all of that crap that happened, um, you know, with the fans and stuff. It's great to see him back and playing close to somewhere towards his best. Um, so, yeah, I'd be more than happy to see uh, Granit Xhaka included in the plans moving forward. Right. That brings me to the end of this edition of the preview show. Massive thank you to everybody for your interaction um, because that makes the show, doesn't it? Without that, it's not the same. Um, probably get bored of me just ranting and raving at myself. Uh, so a big thank you to all of you for your comments, for your questions, um, and to those of you who are currently watching us live, and those who, of course, listen back later on or watch this back later on. Um, love to you all, and I hope you all have a great weekend. Don't forget, you can become a patron of the Chronicles of Aguna uh, by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna. By doing so, you'll receive access to exclusive content, and I've asked for you all of the patrons, so if you haven't seen the message in the patron inbox, 
I've asked you all to send me your email addresses. Please do so because I'm going to be inviting you guys onto podcasts from next week, which means I'll be getting three or four of you at a time for us to have a general Arsenal discussion in addition to all the other content. But you have to be a patron to be invited on that. So please do head over there, become a patron. There's two tiers of membership. One of them is just a pound a month, um, but that will give you access to exclusive content and the opportunity to come on and join me um, on a, a show, upcoming show. So big thank you uh, to all of you guys for your support as well. And uh, we'll see you very soon. Have a great Friday. Take care.